Hello and welcome to the Magical Midlife Podcast, where you get a refreshing, uplifting and optimistic perspective on life in your 40s and 50s. I'm your host, Lindsay DeSwart, and I'm delighted that you've joined us here today. So let's jump right in. Hello, hello, and welcome back. It's Lindsay here today, and I am delighted because today's guest is a very old friend of mine. And I don't mean that she's very old, but I mean our friendship's very old. Amber Sanquist, who is our guest today, is, funnily enough, we met at language school in Sweden 25 years ago, which is a bit of a shocker, isn't it, Amber? It is, totally. (laughs) It's crazy. Indeed. And we've reconnected and Amber has been traveling such an interesting journey and now has some conflict about calling herself an artist. Although when you hear her story, you're going to challenge why she challenges herself calling herself an artist because she is so most definitely an artist. So Amber, welcome to the Magical Midlife. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Lindsay. It's an honor. Oh, it's just so <laughs> lovely to reconnect and to chat with you. So today I'm, I'm going to grill you, okay? I'm going to grill you Great. about everything that's happened and all of your world travels because they really sound so exciting. All okay. right. So tell us about where you're from originally and where it all started. Okay. So I am from Melbourne in Australia. Um, I'm currently living in Los Angeles with my husband and my two kids. So my husband's Swedish. And he's a filmmaker. And my kids were born, one was born here, one was born in Melbourne. And um, we have lived in Los Angeles for the most part of the last 18 years, I would say. We flew back for a couple of years to have Scarlett there, my youngest, um, in Australia uh, when there was a writer's strike. And then we came back uh, a few years later after we got a green card. And um yeah we actually attempted to move back home six months ago to Australia and didn't really succeed so we came back (laughs) six weeks ago um you know moving during a pandemic probably wasn't the best idea I've ever had but we gave (laughs) it a shot and um you know I think we have some unfinished business here in LA so I'll tell you more about that but um this is where our work is right now and this is where the kids really have their foundation so yeah it was it was a difficult decision to come back and to go so now we're back um for who knows how long (laughs) fair enough okay nothing is permanent that's why I always tell people nothing exactly exactly so I'm going to ask you to wind it back a little bit because when we met the the next step once we both parted company when we both moved away from Sweden or I said yeah mm-hmm. I can't remember which of us moved first but anyway when we moved away from Sweden and then the next step I think did you go off to do um, makeup artist work I did so when I met you in Sweden we were both learning how to speak Swedish we were I had indeed. just yeah I had just moved there from Melbourne I guess I'd already been there maybe six to 12 months before I met you. And I think I was 26 at the time. I'm 48 now. Um, I had dabbled in post-production in Melbourne. I had a great job at a post-production studio where we did titles and credits and animation. And um, so I'd done that for a couple of years. Before that, (laughs) 
when I was 21, I completed my Bachelor of Education. And on my final year of, um, of that, I traveled to New Jersey where I got to do fine arts and photography and film, which I hadn't really done since high school. So I really, that kind of opened my eyes up. There was a whole world that I would be missing out on if I didn't pursue something in that realm whether it was then or later on, which is what I'm doing now, but it took me 20 years to get to where I am now. But I had to go home and tell my parents, I don't want to be a teacher in a classroom. <laughs> and they're like, okay, great. Um, what are you going to do? And so when I was 21, I sent letters out to film companies because I had met a group of friends in Montclair in New Jersey Um one of them was my now husband, Simon, who um, kind of uh, showed me a different way of life in that we went to New York every weekend to see shows and uh, I was in their films and they helped me shoot mine in Montclair. And anyway, long story short, I came home and I sent my resume to film companies and I got a job as a PA and as a receptionist at a film company. Anyway, so cut to six or seven years later when I met you, that's what I had been doing, working in kind of production assisting and uh, advertising and stuff like that. Um, so when I met you, I didn't know how to speak Swedish. And as you know, it's very difficult to get a job in Sweden without speaking Swedish. Yes. So we were there just learning the basics. Yes. I eventually got a job editing on a Swedish soap opera. Do you remember me getting that job? I don't know if you knew me when I did that. <laughs> I don't know. I remember that. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. It was the worst soap I've ever seen. But, but how do you edit when you're still yeah. learning beginners of the language? Well, I was doing okay at that point, but I did call Simon in a panic almost every day <laughs> saying, what is this word? I cannot, it doesn't even come up on my Google or whatever we had back then to find, yeah. to find the word. Um, but I was mainly editing music and sound. Okay. And, but I still had to understand where the scenes started and ended, what they were talking about, you know. Anyway, so after doing that for six months and getting up at 4.30 in the morning and it's really cold in Sweden and getting off at the wrong train station and just to do this job and I thought, okay, there's got to be something else that I that I have to be doing, that I should be doing. Yeah. So one night when I was talking to Simon's cousin, she was talking about doing a makeup course and she was always very arty and creative and she said, but the only thing is the um, it's a prosthetic course and it's back in Australia. Oh. So I thought, well, I've been here a couple of years. Um, I'm really cold. I think <laughs> I want to go home for a while. <laughs> so I talked to Simon and... Um, I, I think I just pretty much decided overnight I need to do something with my hands. So I left. I um, I stayed with my friend that I uh, had a best friend since primary school that I'd been in and out of touch with in the last few years and I asked her if I could stay with her parents while I did this prosthetic course. Simon and I didn't break up. We would just said, okay, I'll see you in six months when this is done. So I went back there. I loved it. I loved getting back into art, which I said I hadn't done really since my final year at uni. And before that, I forgot to tell you, I failed art in year 12. I know. I love um, this I think, story. I think I got a D. <laughs> um, 
And wasn't there some teacher being a bit disparaging as well? In the well, she thing? was. She just wasn't guiding me on what I should be doing. So I, I really painted faces even back then, but mm-hmm. someone didn't like them and they gave me a D. I got 59% for art and I thought that would be my highest grade and it was my lowest. So I was oh. pretty deflated. So you can see why I went off and did a Bachelor of Education and I just ignored art because I thought, well, I must suck at it. So... Um, I'm surprised. <laughs> anyway, so any, well, I was going to say, I'm surprised you went anywhere near education because if a teacher kind of kills your passion that convincingly, I, I'm surprised you didn't have like some vendetta against teachers in the future. Yeah, that's funny. But I was always good with kids, and I uh, thought, fair enough, maybe uh, you know. And my parents just thought, you know, because I was a bit lost. I didn't know what to do. I was kind of gutted that I didn't do well. And anything creative and so I thought well I, I don't know um I was doing a lot of musical theater at the time but I thought yeah I'm not gonna go anywhere with that because you have to be at like the top one percent uh you know and I was just a chorus girl and I was enjoying the ride but anyway <laughs> so I thought this was a great opportunity um to do something with my hands and get back into painting and so I studied in Queensland um, under this guy that won the Oscar for his Braveheart makeup. Um, oh, wow, cool. Yeah, he was a really cool teacher and I don't think it's there anymore, but um, it was really awesome and I met some girls that I'm still friends with now and I guess I was 28, 29 when I did that. Nice. And I knew that um, Simon was thinking about moving to the States because he uh, he'd done really well in his film career so far being 29 he was young but he'd done really well and he was about to get representation in Los Angeles and get an agent and a manager and I thought well I have to figure out something to do so that was half the reason why I went and did this makeup course mm-hmm. um anyway the the year after we ended up moving to LA straight after we got married we decided to get married and were married in a few months after my makeup course and moved here and I got started on student films and did the crappiest shoots ever. <laughs> um, I did horror. I did a bit of everything. And I just remember trying to, I did, you know, all night shoots for days and days and for 50 bucks a day. And wow, we, we, we just had to do anything we could to survive here because even though he had a manager and an agent, you, you're just scrambling for gigs. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's an oh expensive goodness. town to be in. Yeah. And we knew two other people here. And I just remember thinking I was really overwhelmed with everything. I just thought, okay, I've just lived in Sweden for two years and Brisbane. I've been away from my family for three years and now I'm in LA, don't know anyone. Okay, I've just got to go and get work as much as I can. So that was kind of chapter two, you know, Mm -hmm. after being in Melbourne and Sweden and then here. And I guess I did makeup for a while. I did it... um, I ended up doing a lot of corporate shoots, headshot makeup because that's what paid the bills the most. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I did lots of sketchy jobs that got me walking to my car in, you know, East LA at four in the morning, which I should not have done. When I look back, my kids will never do that. Because, <laughs> well, they, they might. but I Or not that you'll know about, about anyway. So I did, yeah, a lot of strange shoots and Simon kept getting, you know, a few writing gigs here and there and enough to get us to survive for the next, I would say, seven years um wow yeah we were here we had oscar here i um as i told you we moved to vancouver when um i guess we'd already been here three or four years simon shot a movie in vancouver 
Mm-hmm. And um, then I picked up the paintbrush again because I had four or five months to myself. I did a photography course, and but I never really thought about pursuing painting or anything as a career. It was always just kind of relaxing and something to do that I yeah, never really thought enough. could lead to anything. So I kept doing makeup. I did makeup right up until I was seven months pregnant with Oscar and then I was too fat to move. So <laughs> he was a really big baby. So I, I picked up the paintbrush and just dabbled at home and, um, again, leading to nothing. I just hung a few around my house and everyone's like, oh, I didn't know you painted. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, it's just something I do. I don't know. I did it when I was younger and still having that art teacher in my head going, this sucks, you suck. Oh, God, but, that's terrible. Yeah, I know. But um, but makeup's been a steady gig that has got me through, you know, um, some really tough times because yeah. it was a really social job and it, I, I painted in some form and I thought, all right, um, and I did a bit of hair. My dad's a hairdresser and he taught me how to do a bit of hair while I was in Melbourne, um, mm-hmm. I think while I was pregnant with Scarlett. So, yeah, that basically got us through um, the last 15 years until almost COVID hit, a couple of years before COVID. So So, I don't know whether I've answered your question. I probably have in more ways than one. Well, (laughs) I tell you what, I mean, this is just fascinating because so many people think, oh, Hollywood lifestyle and Los Angeles, it must be so glamorous and all the rest of it. (sighs) And clearly that might not be the case. Not when you're just starting out, no way. And you're in your late 20s and um, it was fantastic, but it I didn't know what to expect. And we were just going from month to month, really. Um, yeah, it was, um, we didn't know what what we had up against us when we got here. Mm. And, um, you know, we didn't have a green card when we got here. We had his visa. And I was only really, I was just doing some cash in hand jobs. And so I couldn't really even get a makeup job on a TV show because I had to kind of lay low. So, yeah. and making making friends on film sets, uh, people think it's easy. It's really not because you see only a certain amount of people for that seven days and then you move on and then you do a photo shoot and then you move on and then you do a, a headshots and then, you know. So I didn't really make friends decent friends until um I had kids because of course wow. as you know you join a yoga class and you make mummy and me friends and you yeah yeah so that's when I really started to enjoy LA I have to say before that I dreaded coming back every time I left Australia I'm like oh god we have to land here again and oh it's so Seriously. gross and yeah. So, I mean, perception is everything. Now I mm. love it be for different reasons. I like the pockets of the creative people and I, I love that people understand the freelance lifestyle here and I, I love that my friends are sometimes in the same position of having husbands who are not always around and are on different jobs in different countries and mm. um, there's comfort in knowing that that's normalised um, yeah. in a way. And um, you don't feel like you have to <laughs> conform to a certain way of life <laughs> when you have friends in your community that go, oh, cool, all right, yeah, Simon's off editing this or you're off painting a mural for three days or, yeah. Um, yeah. So but I have to say um, it's taken me a long time to really love being here 
and it's not for everyone that's for sure it's it is a concrete jungle but there are pockets of magic that you just find usually by meeting the right people or being in the right situations and that um yeah it's it's about the people for me and it's about being able to be creative so Mm. so what have you learned about yourself because there are obviously so many times as you say you were going month to month you were in a place that you know certainly a lot of times doesn't sound like it felt like home or was an easy life so what did you learn about yourself in the process um I think you have to have endurance and you Mm. have to believe that um your passion will eventually bring you to a place that you can actually (laughs) make a living if you love it (laughs) enough yeah. And um and Simon is such a good example of that because um I mean he's editing day after day other people's projects but he's always wanted to go back to shooting his own movies which he hasn't done for a while because mm-hmm. you fall into a pattern of earning money um for your family and being that responsible adult and getting that paycheck and even though he's working in the realm of what he wants to do Leaving for Australia has forced him into doing what he loves doing. He went to do a shoot in Sweden while we went to Australia and mm-hmm. he's, get, he's getting back into being on set, which is really good. But even when he was editing, he would get up at five every day to work on his own scripts and stuff. So watching someone like that is a great example for me and the kids when I'm being really lazy. But um <laughs> But I think right now I've come to a place where I have to acknowledge that, yes, I am a full-time artist and a painter and um, everything that I've done in my life has somehow led me to this amazing, you know, lifestyle of being able to create paintings and pieces on clothing and um, I haven't really told you what I do on this podcast yet. I was going to say, yet, but yeah. yeah. I want to ask um, about that because the stuff that you do, I mean, that's how we reconnected because I saw the uh, the work that you were doing. I saw it on social media. And yeah. because that was a side of you I never knew, I was like, holy cow, has this lady reinvented herself? And as it happens, you haven't <laughs> reinvented yourself. You kind of just let yourself out. Yes, I, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, it happened on a shoot one day when I had been driving um, an hour and a half to get there in Newport Beach um and I was uh working on a job that I just kept wiping sweat and reapplying the same lipstick on this person that was just giving me a hard time all day and I was just like on the way home I was like there has to be something else than this there really has to be something else so I think I um I saw some jackets with some paintings on the back Mm-hmm. And I thought, that can't be that hard. It cannot be that hard. And they were overly priced, um, mm-hmm. like five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars. Um, and they were really cool and really amazing. And I just thought to myself, I I have to do something. I have to do something. <laughs> so yeah. I think I spoke to my friend about it and I uh I said to her, I'm, you know what, I'm just gonna get a jacket out of my closet tonight. I'm gonna paint it. And I don't even know <laughs> what it is. So I got a denim jacket because I love denim. I got a denim jacket out of my cupboard, a cheap one, in case I stuffed it up. And I I painted something on the back. I think it was just a pair of lips or something. And um, 
at midnight I texted her the the painting and she was like oh my god that's amazing (laughs) you need to start selling this and I'm like calm down it's not anything great but I just I wanted to send it to you because you made me accountable and you told me to send you a picture so I did and that started a whole new level of excitement that I thought right okay I'm gonna wear this and see if I get any reaction from anyone Mm -hmm. so I think I wore it to drop off the next week and um, I got an order straight away. Oh, to drop off at school? To, to, yeah, I drop off at school that I dropped my kids off and I hung out and talked to the mums there. And, yeah, within a day or two I think I had maybe two or three orders on denim jackets. And I thought, okay. Ah. Um, cool. And then, and then it kind of just spiralled a little bit from there and that was 2018 or 19. Mm-hmm. So it was a couple of years before COVID hit and I was – kind of just testing the waters, but I still didn't think this would lead to anything. I just thought, well, this is a good little hobby. Yeah. And then, um, and then I create, and then my friend, um, she used to sell jewelry. So she said, look, why don't we do a street fair together and I'll do my jewelry and you put your jackets up and some of your paintings. And I'd had a few paintings laying around and I thought, okay, well, it's, it's a good test to see what, yeah. you know, if I, ha- if I even have an audience. So we set up and I think I sold seven or eight pieces that day. And, um, yeah, and I think that, that put me into action, like, all right, I've, I got to start doing this. And I I think I just painted skulls on the back of sweaters and I painted, um, just lips. And, um, then I did some lyrics of songs on the back of jackets. And then I took requests of personalized gifts, like little butterflies for kids and unicorns and, um, stuff like that. And then I, um, and then during COVID, I did some RBG jackets, which I sold about five of those just by posting one on Instagram. And wow, I wore I wore one down the street on Ventura, and someone bought it off my body. She <laughs> offered me money in the street, and um, that's when I thought, okay, maybe there's something in this. <laughs> See, I'm a slow learner, Lindsay. I'm a slow learner. So seriously, um, I love that story. Yeah. So then I started. Um, getting my own style of portraits with kind of an abstracty splattered kind of effect on them. Mm-hmm. And I just loved, I, I looked at different people. I copied different people off YouTube. I just looked, I just copied until I got my own style because you don't learn until you keep, you know, if you don't have any ideas, just copy someone else's because yours is going to look completely different to theirs anyway. That's my That's theory. True. Yeah, you're right. Um, Cause after I read steel, like an artist that, changed everything as well it's a great book oh, and really? it's, it's a very like? it's a Do you know? great question it's it's just um no it's but it's feel like an artist yes and like you I'm really into reading and listening to motivational books you know mm-hmm. from uh I think I read one the other day from homeless to billionaire or something like that that's a really good read oh yeah um I can't remember the other ones but I've been kind of just on a binge during um covid but um but yeah it's it's i think you just need encouragement and i think i got that from the community of friends that i had at school and luckily i've got a big circle at, at the school drop off where i took mm-hmm. the kids um and um and my family have always been there to say yep do it go for it and i and my daughter helped me set up the street fair um and she loved just watching me sell some stuff you know and it's inspired her with her own little 
baking business and stuff. It just, and you know, Simon has been nothing but supportive and my parents, they are so enthusiastic. And I think they just kind of look at me like, "Mm -hmm, okay, (laughs) just let (laughs) us know what you're doing next. Um, They were at my at my art show last year they came to LA and they came to the gallery where I had an art show last year and that was really exciting yeah um so now I've I've just um I've done a lot of large-scale paintings um yeah tell me about that because you were saying about one commission that you got which was enormous and that was something that you really enjoyed so how did that come about because to go from jackets Um, to well uh, yes so as I, I got my style on my jackets, the splatted kind of, uh, I got one woman requesting a jacket that looked like a tattoo sleeve. And so oh. I kind of incorporated that into a painting um, one night. So I'll tell you a really quick story. Where I lived last year, it was only last year this happened, my neighbour was taking out this huge old painting from her parents' place who lived next door to her. Mm-hmm. And um, it was like a big brown tapestry that um, it was pretty ugly painting. She won't mind me saying that. It was, it was a tapestry, <laughs> not a painting. And she was lugging it to throw in the dumpster. Mm-hmm. And I saw the frame was this beautiful big brass frame on it. And I, I yelled at her, stop, where are you taking that? <laughs> and she's like, oh, this piece of, piece of crap has got to go. It's been in my parents' living room for 100 years. It's got to go. It's a piece of, yeah. yeah. So I said, no, 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 no. Can I please have that? It's huge. It's amazing. I mean, it's probably um, two foot by four foot, four feet. Okay. Um, so anyway, I lugged, I made her lug it with me back up the stairs to my apartment and Simon was like, what are you going to do with that? I said, I don't know, but there's something underneath and I need to, I need to figure it out because the frame is too beautiful. Right. <clears throat> so I ripped off the tapestry. I, um, I covered it in the New York Times that week, which was pretty dark. It was all about the Black Lives Matters articles. Right. Um, but I started with that. It was basically a piece of cardboard behind this tapestry. So I put a whole lot of um, articles. I spray painted it. I did graffiti all over it. Um, it's, I was doing that till four in the morning and I had to just go to bed because I was probably high on paint fumes. <laughs> and then I got up and I thought, okay, I have to do a portrait on top of this because this is, I mean, on that old frame, it's, this is looking weird. So I need yeah. to put something on it. So I found um, <clears throat> I found a black and white photo of Dolly Parton, who I've always loved. Yeah, and I I did an outline of her face over the top of the graffiti, and I think that's when I started to get a really cool style because I did this in the next night, and I worked again till four in the morning, and I got up and I thought I don't know what I've done, but this is really cool. Mm-hmm. So I put it on Instagram, and all of a sudden that blew up. Because wow. um, you've got you've got a lot of Dolly fans out there. Plus, it's just a really cool. It's just a graffiti mixed with a portrait type of style. But yeah. Anyway, so it sat there for two months, and I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Um, it's too big to hang anywhere. I don't know what 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 to do. So it sat there for a while until Scarlett said to me, um, "You know, our librarian at school is best friends with Dolly Parton." Oh, I'm like, oh, I remember that. No way. Yeah. So I, <laughs> so it was a long shot, but I sent, Miss Franny is her name. Hmm. I sent her a picture of the painting that I did and she freaked out. 
So I said, look, I know you're friends with her and I would love someone to have it because that's when we decided to move back to Australia. So I wanted it to go somewhere, you know, where it was protected and mm. I didn't know how to sell it. I didn't really know what to do. So I, um, she came with her husband the next day and she started crying. I don't know whether she, it was just she was crying because she was happy to be out of her house during COVID <laughs> or whether she, <laughs> whether she was really happy to see the painting but anyway she said um she said oh my god I've got to show Dolly she's gonna love this and I just thought really I don't I don't know whether she knows Dolly maybe she's just making me feel better that's quite scary you know it's Hollywood everyone says they know everyone I don't know so well sometimes you know knowing someone could mean I've I know him through someone through someone so anyway so she had a pickup truck the next day ready to take it because I said, look, it's yours. She said, how much do you want for it? I said, no, no, I'm giving it to you because I, I just did it at the spur of the moment and I don't know what to do with it and I want someone that I know to have it, to know that she might see it one day. If if she does, that would be yeah. great. Um, so she took it home and then um, she was just so thrilled and she said, I'm going to make sure she sees it. And anyway, I not forgotten about it but I you know I went to Australia and we moved there we moved all of our stuff we packed up everything we moved there this was just six months ago and I got a text at four in the morning saying she said I sent the the painting to Dolly and she loved it and she wants to know the backstory behind it and so I sent her an email and when I came back here I said so when am I going to come and see this painting in your house and she said well I've, um, I've, I'm getting the room repainted. I'm getting a, a new couch and I'm decorating this whole room around this painting. So when I <laughs> unveil it, I will invite you over. <laughs> wow. I, said, I, I wanted to add, by the way, I need to meet Dolly Parton. So could you just throw that in the mix? So I'll, I'll just got to keep pressuring her. But um, I figure you have to put stuff out into the universe and don't expect anything back. And I feel yeah. like stuff like that, um, I feel like people need to just stop thinking about the money so much as it was an experiment that I did Mm. and I probably could have charged her money for it and she probably would have paid. But I was happy for someone who actually knew her to have it because Mm. from that painting I got three more commissions just from Instagram. Wow. And um, so I got a couple more. No, I got one of (laughs) Marilyn and I did um, a couple of others. I can't remember what they were. But then when I went to Melbourne, I I think just posting my videos of me drawing eyeballs and stuff like that, which yeah. I do very randomly. But a friend um, in Melbourne, after not talking to her for 15, 20 years, um, commissioned me to do a massive Kate Moss for her bedroom. And wow. also um, a friend from school commissioned me to do a Deborah Harry for her front entrance. She just bought a house. Wow. So, um, yeah, and I also sold an Audrey Hepburn um, while I was in Melbourne as well. And, um, yeah, all of that, selling those paintings, got me back here, surprisingly enough. And I I do believe that you have to put things out into the universe to, you know, just to, just to say them out loud, like I need this to happen or um, if I'm going to have a goal, I need to put, every single thing into it to make it happen and something else will happen from that you know what I mean yeah I can't just think well 
I've got to earn that to pay the rent because that will come. And I know everyone probably knows that, but I really do think if you love something enough and you just keep doing it and get excited about it and I don't know, I'm just happy that my kids have seen me do this because um, they've seen me do it in my mid-40s and um, yeah. it's, it's a weird thing to do. It's not a huge switch from painting someone's face to painting a wall, but it, it kind of is when you make it your own business and you're doing it for <laughs> I guess home. it kind of is, yeah. Yeah, and your lounge room is just covered in paintings and they're trying to eat dinner next to all your paints and stuff like that, you know. (laughs) In the beginning, you don't have a studio and I've come back and I still don't have one now. So I just have to make do with what I've got and um, figure it out along the way. So we will see what happens next. But um, I think I've inspired them, which is good. But, you know, having a supportive family obviously has helped (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I do have a question for you, though, because normally I say, what do you still want to do? Mm -hmm. So is there anything in particular that you're particularly inspired to do at the moment? It's your next thing. What is, are you happy to share it or is it top? Yes. No, I spoke to a friend a couple of days ago and um, she um she's an actress mm-hmm. and she also sells makeup on the side because during COVID she couldn't go and get an acting job yeah and she was the one that said to me dude you should be putting your drawing and painting videos on YouTube and I know everyone's got a YouTube channel but also I know that for instructional painting and stuff um this could be a good thing for me to do so yeah. I'm I'm gonna go down that path because I love shooting time-lapsed you know painting and drawing and that kind of stuff I mean Mm. the amount of people that have asked me for a time-lapse drawing of an eye or an ear or a nose or a mouth something that I really take for granted because I've drawn them a lot yeah and they're really hard to draw so if you (laughs) but I mean even abstract paintings and you know portrait paintings and stuff that's how I learned so I if I can inspire other people to learn from my mistakes um yeah, I think I have to switch from putting them up on Instagram where, you know, I can't make any money doing that. Um, I need to start branching out a little bit. I don't particularly love talking to the camera, but right. on that platform I think I'm going to have to a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I would love to even host painting classes um, at home um, mm-hmm. for adults, but yeah, I'm thinking about a lot of stuff, even art therapy for kids I've thought about. Um, but then again, you need a space to do it. So I'm trying to work within the boundaries that I've got <laughs> at home right now. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so I do have a final question for you because I know okay. school pickup timing and all that sort of thing. It, it's all good. Because that's what we do as mums. Um, yes. But, yeah, my question for you is when we started the conversation, and you'd said about, well, you know, and I said, well, how do you want me to introduce you? And you said, well, you know, I'm kind, kind of might be an artist. What is there in there about your story that you would doubt that actually you're an artist and a painter? Um, <laughs> um, well, as I said <laughs> to you, I'm, I guess the doubt was planted years ago and that's what I hate about, you know, high school teachers and teachers in general have such a big impact on kids. And I'm not really officially trained, but I guess that's what 
makes me feel like I'm not actually qualified. But the years of experience I know has qualified me, but I feel like there's, I have so much to do and I have so much to learn, but I know what you're saying. I, and I just hope that my kids and anyone out there have learned a lesson. Just you've got to go with your gut and your yeah. heart and your passion because teachers don't realise. And, you know, she might have not even been the one to have given me a D. It probably went to a panel and they didn't like what I did or whatever the story was. I, I, you just, or you're just drawn back to what you're supposed to be doing anyway. If you keep looking, you will come back to where you're supposed to be. Yeah. It's my theory anyway. But no, so, I um do you feel that you're on path now? Do you feel like you're on the right track and that I feel like I'm really on the right track. Yes, yes, I do. I love what I do and I'm so happy to be able to do it. And I can still be there for the kids and um and yeah, I I do love learning about what other people are doing in the art realm every day too. So I would just say to people, do just look at other people's work and, and incorporate it and you'll get a style all of your own and you'll figure it out. But Yeah, fantastic. Oh, my yeah. goodness. So if people want to see some of the work that you've done because it sounds just so unique and I've seen it and it's beautiful, um, where can they find you, on Instagram or on Facebook? Or yes, probably Instagram is the best, just my full name, Amber Sandquist. It's just one word on Instagram. Okay. And that's where they'll find your paintings. Yes, exactly. Um, I closed down my website because I had more work driven from just posting from Instagram. So I, um, and all my denim was on a website, but I think for now, Instagram and um, yeah, they can contact me for commissions or just take a look at what I do or um, yeah, I'll put some more videos up there um, pretty soon. Fantastic. Now, one last thing. On Instagram, as your categorization, what have you called yourself? I've called myself an artist. Lindsay, Yay! Okay. <laughs> Yay! I love that. I'm trying not to cringe. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I'm trying to get you to say it out loud so many times so that you actually start to believe it yourself. <laughs> Fine. Fine. I'm going to hang up now. I'm getting sweaty talking about it. <laughs> Oh, bless your heart. So, Amber, thank you so much for being with us today. And it's just... Thank you. Oh, it's glorious to catch up again. And I know. It's the beginning of something new, Lindsay. And I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy this has taken off for you. Yeah, I'm thrilled for you. Thank you. And thank you for being a part of it. Anytime, my love. All right, we'll take care of yourself. And you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you've enjoyed the conversation, please come and leave a review. If you go to the Apple Podcasts app and scroll down to the bottom of the podcast page, and then you'll find the ratings and review section. Please invite your friends to come and listen by sharing the link. And you can join the conversation and let me know who you'd like to hear interviewed and what topics you'd like discussed over at Facebook on the Magical Midlife group. You can also find me on Instagram at Lindsay DeSwart, where the conversation will also continue. I can't wait to see you on the next episode. And once again, keep living your magical midlife.